Welcome back to the Act 2 podcast, podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Holland. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today's one of those days. We started pre, pre-podcast. Sometimes we like talk ourselves up going into a podcast. Today was a talk ourselves down. Yeah. It's just a lot of uh, terrible news and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Or just today- like sadness. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't terrible news. It was... No, no. It was stuff. You know what we didn't talk about, but hmm. we've talked about off of the like the other couple, last couple of days were the alien invasion that's just kind of being swept under the rug. It's so weird that we're just going to work <laughs> and like leading our lives while aliens are being shot down in the sky. Maverick 3? Tom Cruise takes out aliens. Yeah. All right. I'm getting off track already. Ugh. All right. Well. Yeah. Um. Today, we are kind of just doing a, a this week in writing episode. We've got stuff. Yeah. We've, we've got some stuff. We've got some good. We got some good <laughs> stuff. Um. I should preface this by saying, we have a new ditty that we are introducing on the podcast. Today's the day. Today is the day and it's perfect because this is a this week in writing episode this week in writing <laughs> did it just happen so excited <laughs> yeah right. it's awesome yeah we're gonna have um, so many ditties just little jingles <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're implementing jingles into the podcast until someone tells us it's a horrible idea. <laughs> so, so, yeah, please stop. <laughs> All right, how, where should we start, Joshua? We have so much to talk about. Okay, should I t- start with this uh, this Reddit uh, subreddit thing? Let's do it. Okay, so last week there was a story about a sale that was a really big sale that happened on the No Sleep subreddit, which is essentially this subreddit where people can post their short stories. Uh, I, I had to look into this because I had no idea. It's a fr- mm-hmm. You have to post first-person short stories of something kind of whore-themed, like, oh, I was walking through the cemetery, and all of a sudden I ran into my deceased brother-in-law or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so there was this big sale that happened, and I looked into it. I kind of like did some digging into it, and there was this one manager named Scott Glasgold, who is with uh, Ground Control. And he's, it's seemingly every time I read about this, because this wasn't the first time, his name's always kind of floating around in these. And I was like, that's interesting. Like he's almost like cornered this no sleep market. So I did some digging. Oh. Yeah, did some, some, some investigation. So Scott has this client named Harrison Query, who I think I've talked about before on this podcast, because he's, he's writing a ton. He's got a ton of credits. But Harrison has a brother named Matt Query, and Matt was the one who wrote a short story back in 2020, and that short story, I, th- or excuse me, he wrote like a uh, subreddit on No Sleep, and that ended up being sold to Netflix. And then I think him and Harrison wrote a book together called Old Country, and that's also that also sold. And Scott Glasgold was like the man behind all of this. I think like Harrison mm-hmm. introduced Scott to the subreddit. That's a, that's a lot there. The reason I bring this up is because 
I just found it really interesting that there's this outlet where you can write these short stories and they can get seen and voted on on Reddit. I'd be curious if any of our listeners have ever done this. If they yeah. have, have you ever done it? Like posted anything on Reddit? I've never, ever, ever, ever. I barely understand where to find the comments on a thread when it comes to Reddit. Oh boy. Yeah. It's just, it's not my, my thing. I feel like screenwriting Reddit is is like adjacent to screenwriting Twitter. I'm not on Reddit like at all, yeah. but I know there's a huge community. Yeah. It seems like a great community, but I have to I have to dive in. I have to investigate more. I think so cuz I'm also curious if the writers who wrote the short stories are automatically attached to write the script. Like the the most recent one that we talked about. Oh, okay, so the most recent one that I just mentioned Mm-hmm. is called Occupant, and New Line won the auction for it. And there were nine bids on it. And did it say if the writer of the short story is writing it? By the way, I should note that the producer is the Barbarian director. So he got involved with all this. Zach Krager? Oh, that makes a lot of sense of why it would sell, why it sold that much then. And no, it does not say in this article, at least, if... if the writer of the short story is writing the screenplay? That's a good question. My guess would be, just from this article, if Zach Kreger, who is the writer-director of Barbarian, I think he directed it, yeah, yeah, is attached to produce, then either he may write it or find a writer that he knows and is comfortable with to write it, who's just comfortable with screenwriting, and then the author of the short story is probably going to go on to write the book would be my guess Mm -hmm. based on this yeah i'm just curious about like the success rate of the short story writers in terms of transferring over to to screenwriting yeah because it's not it's not a one-to-one skill right just because you can write certainly a a reddit short story doesn't mean a, a screenwriting a script is also in your repertoire but that's super like this is super interesting we talk about this all the time of ways into a screenwriting career and short stories novels comic books all these other ways in are definitely completely viable as this is an example like go to no sleep go write your horror short find other subreddits where you can write these short stories um i think that's really great i'm currently it's interesting I currently have a short story that's sitting on my computer uh, printer right now, staring at me to be reread that I want to try and sell. And interestingly, my manager has said, hey, Tasha, let's hold a bit. Wait till you have a series of short stories, like an anthology series, so that you can present a kind of franchise situation to Warner Brothers or Universal or whoever we want to sell this to. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was kind of defeated because it takes a lot of work to write a short story. And that just, to me, that means I won't be able to take this out to market till like the end of the year at best, like probably next year if I'm writing multiple short stories and editing them and revising them and all of that. And then I was like, fuck it. Why do I have to write a whole anthology series? I These people are selling single short stories one yeah. short story on reddit so yeah i, and you, I don't and need to write an anthology i'm with you i want to get your manager on the podcast so i can argue with her about this because i'm completely with you i've read the short story i love the short story and i feel like we need to get this short story into the world get scott glass on the line right now scott 
<laughs> You're a manager. <laughs> Help. Yeah. Although it's not a horror story. No. But it's an awesome short story. Kind of supernaturally horror-y, sort it's of. Supernatural. And I think, you know what? See, this is actually what's so cool about Reddit and this outlet and this no sleep. I, I'm sure there's so many, po there's like thousands and thousands of people posting stories. So it's probably really hard to find yeah. a story, like anything. But it is great just to have that other outlet. And I used to try to do this on YouTube. I would just pitch ideas. And I'd be like, these are ideas I will never write. Maybe I'll write. I don't know. But I, I don't have it flushed out. I just want to get this like idea down. And and I I wish there was more outlets like that. Let's just yeah. put it that way. I agree. But I also think there are more than we, th we realize. I know. I bet you could tonight just go write a short story, throw it up on Reddit. And it'd be like this really cool, badass, just first act yeah. of an action movie that the, the concept is really amazing. And that's the thing about short stories, by the way, is that they're typically kind of the first act of a movie, which is almost always the easiest part to write for people 100%. because it's the concept. It's the thing that inspired you to write this thing to begin with. Most people don't <laughs> aren't inspired by the second act. <laughs> we no, don't immediately so think like, oh, I can't wait. This midpoint is the reason why I want to write this. <laughs> like, no. no, it's usually the way into the story. So like, it's just a first act. And then if you sell it, you'll figure out the rest at that time. Yeah, act one, just figure out a good act one, make it a little more of a, it's like the honeymoon phase. Like everyone's so excited yeah. by that. You just want to write that and get that out there and have people excited about it. And if you can do that, you'll sell some shit. And if Boom. you know where to post it, Tell us where to post this stuff. Moving on. <laughs> uh, AMC yes. has said this was last week, so we're a little bit late to the to the jump here. But AMC has decided they want to charge for different seats the way that like theaters do play like play theaters, yeah, drama theaters. What were these theaters? Theaters. <laughs> The place where people go watch the things. The place where people watch plays. So they want to do that in movie theaters. And there was a bit of an uproar. People were kind of pissed by this. How, yeah. how do you feel about it? All right. So I've, I'm actually, I've had multiple emotions. My first one was like, this is so stupid. Why would they do this? They're shooting themselves in the foot. This is like the dumbest shit ever. But then I thought to myself, there have been times where I've tried, like for instance, I want to go see a new movie. And I, 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 this happened with uh, Ant-Man and the Quantumania or whatever. And I was late to the jump, so I haven't seen the movie yet because there were only front row seats available. Mm. And I said to myself, I'm not hurting my neck and sitting in the front row. This is some no. bullshit. Bullshit. And I think those seats remained open. So I guess I understand from an AMC perspective of like, hey, why don't we just have people pay less and come sit in the front row? then there'll be occupied seats because I'm not going to pay a full price to sit in the front row of a movie theater where I know I don't have to sit there, if that makes any sense. But I do think it's kind of fucked up because now it starts to create this separation of, uh, you know, financial class to a certain degree of like, okay, I'm going to pay more. I'm going to sit here. And now if someone was trying to take their family out and and it's it's like a it's hard for a fa like a, this family to go see a movie, you know. Then they get put in like these shitty seats because they're the cheaper seats, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and also a movie theater, it's impossible to say what the best seat in the sure the middle is the best seat in the house, but like 
A lot of people love sitting in the back. Some people love sitting in the front. Yes, it true. It's not a class thing. It's a I just a most personal preference thing. And so how do you monetize oh, back seat to front seat? <laughs> I guess side seats will be cheaper. I mean, there's something to making movies more affordable for yeah. people. But honestly, yeah. I, I mean, look, I'm not a business person. I've not crunched any numbers. But common sense to me <laughs> says you make movies more affordable. More people are going to go to them more frequently. And you will just overall make more money. So I just don't understand. I don't know either. But I will say AMC's had the thing going forever where, at least at the AMC Century City here in Los Angeles, where if you go see a movie at like 9.45 or 10.30 in the morning, it it says it's 25% off, like all the mm -hmm. tickets. So it's just cheaper across the board, which makes sense because that's probably well, a Well, they've always had matinees though. I know. So I, I'm conflicted. I, my my knee-jerk reaction was like, that's weird. That's not right. That's weird. But now when I really think about it. Because also, what are they going to do? Are those seats going to be more comfortable than other people's seats? That makes I, me uncomfortable. I already, there's this, another theater we go to that has the big, they're like the big reclining seats and they're mm -hmm. just more expensive. Like I've been yeah. paying for that for a while now. But that's a whole theater of those. So you're going specifically to actually it's a divided theater oh. no it yeah, is it's, it's at the cinemark and playa vista great theater yeah so you already are experiencing this yeah <laughs> <laughs> move on let's move on <laughs> oh ted lasso trailer you yeah. saw it oh yeah it's our favorite show you or liked it yeah, it was a perfect teaser. Believe. Believe. Man, it just, it just, it was so perfect. It made, you know, it makes you remember why you love the show to begin with. Just that yeah. believe sense. It was so clever how they had everyone do the sign to their personality. And then, yeah, yeah, it was just, it's so great. I feel like this is also our way of planting the seed that we're going to have some Ted Lasso content when oh, Ted Lasso comes back. We can't have Ted Lasso go out in the world and not have Ted Lasso content. It's just a perfect show. It brought us happiness in 2020. Like Saved what our a, lives. But yeah, it's back. I'm excited. And I'm just generally excited for the upcoming year of movies and some TV shows. By the way, I just started to watch the show Poker Face, which is really freaking good oh, I'm, I, I'm a little yeah. late i want to watch it so bad but uh, and i'd actually w maybe want to do a breakdown in the future on poker face because i'm down like the pilot of poker face yeah yeah i've yeah. only watched the pilot i don't know what happens i have to see what happens after that but um let's do it it's really it's really engaging i'm super down all right Maybe i'm gonna go not. into my last no, no. second no. to last this week in writing let's go giving and receiving targeted notes. What does this mean? So I have often, let's say, given my script to my manager, um, like something that I'm working on uh, for someone else and or for myself. And she is like, how can I help you? Right? Like, I don't want to make this something you don't want it to be. Like if I give her a crazy heightened sci-fi movie script, she's going to ask me afterwards, so I want to give you notes, but I want to know like what you want this to be because 
if you do still want it to be a heightened sci-fi crazy movie, I will not give you notes to make it more grounded, right? I want to I want to work within what you want this script to be and make it the best version of the thing you want it to be. And that best version includes like the most marketable version. So if my heightened sci-fi is so crazy, it's unproducible, some of her notes might be to make it more producible, but she's still gonna keep her notes in the lane of I'm gonna help Tasha make this the best sci-fi heightened movie I can. She's not mm -hmm. gonna start giving me notes about, you know, can we, instead of setting it on Mars, can we set it on Earth? And instead of, um, people having superpowers, can they just be normal? It's like, well, no, that's not my concept. I don't want to do that. So that's kind of what we mean by targeted notes. And I think this comes up a lot in writers groups in particular, but also definitely in your career as producers start to give you notes. Mm -hmm. And so I guess we wanted to talk about what that looks like when you're receiving those notes and how to receive them and also how to give targeted notes so you're not trying to mold someone's script into something it shouldn't be. Yeah, I have once received notes from your manager and you're absolutely right. And she's very good at that. And I think that's a skill. And I think yeah. it's like um, what good producers do as well when, and managers, but to just know how to ask these very specific questions and what it ends up doing is making you become specific yourself. So if you're yeah. asking me something, you're like, well, what do you want to do here? It it forces you to define what you want the script to be because sometimes you don't really see it. You're, you don't really know what you want the scene to be. Your manager's really great at that. She's, she's very helpful in that regard. That's a really great example too. So this, to take that as an example of how this can play out. So a particular scene might be two characters talking about what the problem of the movie is going to be. Like, I think, can I just use your example without specifics? Yeah, go specific. I don't care. So it's, it was a, a father and a daughter meeting for dinner for the first time in the movie. So it's mm -hmm. the first time you're seeing their relationship and the issues that they have in their relationship. And we all kind of sensed, including Josh, that like something was off about the scene. It just wasn't really doing what he needed it to do to launch the movie into the movie. And so... The questions that started to come up were, what do you want this scene to be? What do you want to get out of it? So before we even gave notes, it was like, what do you want this to be? It's clear that there's like, there's some revisions that need to happen. But instead of me saying, hey, how about, you know, how about you make the daughter in love with the waitress? And maybe that will help you. Like, instead of just pitching crazy ideas, it's like, hey, Josh, you talk first. You tell us what you need this scene to do what you intend for it to do. And then now that we hear what your idea is, we'll try to give you notes to like mold it into the best version of what you need it to be. And I think oftentimes you can get note givers who do say the waitress note, or they'll just come in and not really care what you want in the scene to be. They think it should be this. Mm -hmm. And my opinion is that that's not the way to give notes at all. Even if you don't agree, with what Josh wants this scene to be. You can even say like, hmm, you know, I, I wonder if the scene should be more about this. And yeah. Josh can be like, oh yeah, you're right. Actually, it should be that. Or it can be like, no, I do really want it to be this. So you're like, okay, take a step back because I'm not writing this script. Josh is writing this script. So how can I make or help Josh write the best version of what he wants it to be? And I think that's incredibly important as a note giver, especially in your writer's groups, Please, please, please don't make the mistake of 
thinking you know better than the writer who's writing the thing and that you need to mold it into something you think it should be. Yeah. And it's tough. It's tough to divorce yourself of that. Um, like we, we, we know a, another writer who sometimes will write things that are not super producible sometimes. Like the ending might be a little wacky or maybe it's a little too heightened. And our notes process with that person tends to be, how do we make it the most producible version of your heightened crazy you-ness, right? Because like mm -hmm. sometimes that craziness is what makes that script special to that writer. But how do you make it the best, most practical version of that, I guess? I think we've talked about a version of this, like kind of giving notes, receiving notes. But I think it is really important if you are, let's say if you're giving notes, to be very aware of what the writer of the script is aiming for. And that actually is something that I think gets overlooked very often in notes. And also if you gave someone, if I give you my script for notes, it is my job to basically tell you and lead you down that road to say, Tasha, here's this dinner scene. I know all these things are messed up. I don't want anyone falling in love with the waiter or waitress. I don't want any of that. I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to set that boundary. Yeah. But there are ways to, like you said, delicately say, hey, Josh, um, you're wrong. This is maybe what it should be <laughs> Yeah. in a way that isn't like, dude, you're wrong. You're, you're an idiot. This is the wrong scene. Cause then you just, you just, it's, it's yeah. hard to write like that. I learned this lesson a lot from, again, my manager, particularly with projects that she's not producing, she knows enough to not stick her hands in it because she's not producing it. Right. So the producer of whatever project I'm working on, they know what they need, or at least they, I hope they do. Um, or at least they're the ones responsible for getting this thing sold and getting this thing made. So when my manager gives me notes, she doesn't want to derail what I'm doing with this particular producer, even if she doesn't think those producer's notes are good. And maybe she even thinks that that producer is leading me in the wrong direction and the script's going to be bad. But what she will do in those cases is say, okay, well, what is the intent? What do we need it to be? And even if I don't like that version of the script, me personally, manager, I, I would not watch that movie. Fine. <laughs> that aside, because that's something yeah. we also have to take out. Like if you don't want to watch that movie, that's fine. Not every movie is for you, but that writer has a particular vision and a lot of people may want to watch that movie. So how do you make yeah. it the best version of that? And she's just been so good at that, that I have started to do that as well. And even let's say in writer's rooms, you also can do it with pitches, right? Like people will pitch a crazy ass idea and instead of just dismissing it out of hand, it's like, well, why do you like that idea? <laughs> like start asking questions, right? Like, let me get to the heart of what you actually want this to be so I can make that idea better and stronger and not yeah. as crazy. I love I that. Know. No, this is all great. It's I'm, I'm reflecting on notes and getting notes and giving notes. That's all good. It's a good reminder. You forget it very easily. Yeah. Okay. Should we go to our biggest? This yeah. Wait, did writing? you have one more? I didn't. That oh, was okay. it. Okay. That was a good one. Do a whole episode about that. I hope that was not confusing. No, I don't think so. No. Yeah. Let's go to the big thing. Okay. Screenwriting wilderness. The screenwriting wilderness. <laughs> so Josh and I... I don't even remember who found this, but there is a thread on Twitter 
about something called Screenwriting Wilderness. Mm -hmm. This is by Pete Bridges, um, who says, Screenwriting Wilderness is that period after you've broken in and made a splash and taken all the generals you can. You've been announced and introduced to the business, but it doesn't and can't last forever. And it's this long thread about working screenwriters like himself, like people that he knows who are kind of caught in this, as he calls it, screenwriting wilderness. This sort of, I'm not even going to call it a dead zone because that's not what it is, but it's people who are making a living off of screenwriting, but maybe have never had something produced. Like you're not the next big thing. You're not being announced in deadline all the time. You're not going to win the next Emmy or Oscar, but you are paying your rent and or mortgage by writing screenplays. And the way that happens is because they're always in development, right? Like mm -hmm. you're writing and writing and writing for a studio or a producer and that movie just doesn't end up getting made, but they've paid you $75,000, $100,000 to write it. So you're good for the next year. Yeah. It's those people, which are the majority of screenwriters. That's where we live. And so it's a whole thread about that space and acknowledging that that is a very real place where writers have careers. And we just thought we would talk about it. I'll tell you what, when I, I remember moving out here and thinking like, you sell something, you option something, you do something, it's like you blow up and your life changes. Like I didn't know this mm -hmm. screenwriting wilderness, although there's some things in this thread that I kind of need to touch on. I didn't know that that was the majority of the screenwriting world. Yeah. And by the way, it's not a bad, it's a great place to be in if you're getting paid to write and you're obviously closer to, let's say your goal is to uh, win an Academy Award. I feel like you're closer to winning an Academy Award if you're in the wilderness than, I mean, that's not maybe not fair to say, but if you're in yeah. the freaking mix, it, that's not yeah. a bad thing. All it takes is one great spec to do anything or um, so one true. movie that's a hit that no one expected. It's so true. I was just, not to veer off, but our, our boy uh, Alex Convery, yeah, you know his his trailer came out a couple weeks ago for the Air Jordan movie, which is now called Air. He just wrote a spec, and it's going to be a spec. fucking spectacular movie. The spec is yeah. amazing, and he's gotten so many. He's working right now on on movies, yeah, major studios because of this movie. People love they loved working with him, and if you're a big enough writer to attract Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, then people are going to innately just trust you out of hand. I hope he wins an Academy Award. Me I too. Go, Alex. No, but this thread is great because, again, it brings up a lot of the realities of what a screenwriting career is. And I think that, as you're saying, that we have this idea, this vision for what it is, and also this expectation for ourselves and this sort of arbitrary weight we put on ourselves that success is only measured by how much we're seen by other people. And I think... <laughs> that's not true like these so many writers just write and write and write and write but their scripts are never seen because it's just development hell all over again and like one of the things one of the parts in the thread is he says there's a mismatch of expectations versus reality you think prime work will be presented to you on a silk pillow by your reps riding horseback across town to deliver it to your feet and that's kind of how I felt when I got uh -huh. my reps. I was like, well, now all my work is done. I no longer have to hustle and my reps will get me all the work that I need. This will be great. Yeah. It's just, Th it's not true. That's a terrible dose of reality that I think we all, everyone, no matter, even when someone tells you, hey, you're going to still have to keep doing the exact same thing you're doing when you have reps. 
you still think for that split, there's like a, a moment of time where you're like, I'm good. I have reps now. Everything is taken care of. Yeah. So there is something in here yeah. that Pete brings up that says, this, by the way, is like a 25 uh, tweet thread. That's great. Like he, it's he a, said, also a roller coaster of emotions. It is a roller like, coaster of emotions. So I was like, yeah. And then I was like, no, I'm so sad now. And then I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Me too. I, I went all <laughs> over the board. He said, don't buy into the screenwriting community mystique. A lot of people are cheering you on, but will stab you in the back to split or steal your credit and production bonus the first chance they're offered. Some of the most ruthless assholes are other screenwriters. <laughs> I feel like I want him on to hear this because I think he might have been stabbed in the back by somebody. I think um, clearly, yeah. But this kind of struck a chord with me because the screenwriting community, I think, is really important to a lot of people. So I'm not sure if it is a mystique. It might be, but like I lean on you, Dave, and other people that, I guess you guys are my friends though, so it's not like some randoms I met on Twitter. It's a tough one because when it comes down to money, when it comes down to I have two kids and have to pay for their school and pay for a mortgage and my car payment, like people will claw in order to support themselves and their families. And sometimes <laughs> that equates to being stabbed in the back or trying to quote unquote, steal your credit and production bonus the first chance they're offered it. And what that means is if let's say, let's say Josh came on to rewrite me on a script and Done. it was only a little bit, maybe he only did a little bit, like not enough to get credit. He's gonna still fight for it in order to get credit because if he gains, like if we go see the movie and it says written by Josh Hallman and Tasha Hugh, because he's the final credit on there, we now split our our bonus, our credit bonus and our production bonus is now split in half. Mm. So instead of $100,000, I only get $50,000. So that's a big deal for writers and it's a big deal for both sides, right? Like if Pete here was stabbed in the back by someone who wanted that $50,000, I get both sides to that story. I understand that. But I think I think it's not being surprised because the other alternative is to just shut yourself off to people and not trust anyone. And I yeah. am very not pro that I am. I am pro being the good you want to see in the world. Right. So like trying not to stab people in the back as much as you can, but also being treated fairly <laughs> and financially as well as just like respect wise and, and doing the same for other people. Like I remember yeah. early this business um, I was friends with, Dave, friend of the podcast, but I went to a general meeting and was told in that meeting, hey, we're writing the new Ouija movie. It's an open writing assignment. Do you want to pitch on this? I was like, oh my oh, God, I they're asking that. me to pitch on a Ouija. Like, this is a huge possibility here. And I had never gotten a, at that point, I'd never had a job. And I was like, Dave would be great for this. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I was like, Dave, why don't you come? Like, we both pitched on it, right? And by the way, Dave, if my memory is terrible and this is an incorrect story, let me know. But I'm pretty sure this is what happened. <laughs> we were just like, talking about before the podcast about memory. <laughs> driving off the road right now. It's like, this is not, I introduced <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, I shared it with you, Dasha, which is totally possible. But I think the point of the story is, is Dave and I both went up for the same job. And you kind of have to be okay with that. Uh, juxtapose that with another writer that I knew who we were having coffee once and just to catch up. And I was like, oh, what are you working on now? And she kind of like looks around the cafe that we're in. 
like she's a spy and someone's after her and she leans in really close and she whispers she's like working on a peter pan story is like oh okay is it a secret she's like i just don't want anyone to steal the idea and she wouldn't even tell me like what the concept was i was like okay (laughs) you don't trust me enough that i'm just like not gonna steal your your peter pan idea that's based on ip anyways (laughs) yeah yeah, that is, by the way, that's tough when I, when anyone doesn't tell you the idea that they're working on, which I fully understand, but like when it gets like to an awkward level where you're like, dude, just tell me, we're just, we just shared stories for the last hour. What the hell are you working on? I'm not going to steal it. But there are people who will take your idea. Ah, so it's not right. like it doesn't happen. I'm in a bubble. I'm living in a bubble with you and Dave where I'm just like, I trust you guys so much that I'm, that I'm just throwing ideas out there and and god i take it for granted no i don't i'm happy i guess what's what's the lesson to be learned then like what do other people who don't have josh's and dave's davis is in their lives like what by the way this is the following tweet to the one that i just kind of criticized about the screenwriting community which i didn't really read until just now you need to find your people. You will assemble a short list of other writers, directors, producers, or reps or reps to truly ally yourself with. And this is where the magic can happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. He's, he's right about that. You need to there find you your people. That's what it is. Yeah. You need to find your people that you trust, that you can just talk to. And it takes a while. And we're really fortunate, but I don't know how to do it. Open heart, open mind, everyone. <laughs> Here's like part of me feels like you just have to allow yourself to get hurt, right? Like I'm definitely I've this year I've been in a couple situations where I feel like I've been mistreated somehow by another writer or a producer and I could react by being like, fuck all producers, burn it yeah. all to the ground. I'm going to create a fortress around myself. Or I could just be like, that's a one-off. That person, I don't want to work with them again. And that sucks that that happened. But, you know, I'm not going to stop being open to people and helping them when I can and letting them into my life like that. Like, I, I, my, my personal opinion is, is keep doing, keep doing what you're doing, even if people are going to stab you in the back. Mm. Yeah, no, I, you but have I feel to. like that's probably not a Joshian philosophy. You, wait, what? Like keep working with the people who stab you in the back type no, idea? I've, no, 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 not keep working with them. But I feel like you probably build a fortress. You would build a fortress. Do you build fortresses? Um. Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> if someone else yeah. came on to rewrite one of your scripts that's being optioned right now, would you like totally not trust that person? Would you? Oh no, I tr- I would trust. I'd be like, it's gone. It's fine. I'm just happy there's movement with it. Yeah. But if 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 there's some funny business going on, like someone's stealing some ideas or doing something that they that just isn't right and that's morally not right. I know how ridiculous that sounds because we're in the entertainment industry and I don't even know if there is a moral line anywhere but if it doesn't align with me then i would probably build a fortress around that if that makes any sense yeah but no if i'm being like rewritten or whatever i don't care i just want something i don't care what happens i could submit a movie about a superhero to you and you're like you're gonna rewrite it and make it about like 
a dog, I'd be like, cool. Is the movie going to be made? Are we going to be paid? <laughs> That's great. It's interesting because I feel like this, the, the stab you in the back thing happens more in TV. And maybe it's just because you're constantly working with more writers. So the odds are just higher because I have heard ton of stories about TV writers who are stabbing each other in the back to get scripts in the room. So for example, in a TV writer room, say you have five writers. If you are assigned a script, you're assigned episode three, you get a script fee bonus. So you get your mm. weekly fee for just working in the writer's room. And then you get a bonus if you write a script. And people are vying for that script fee. They want it. They Because again, mortgage, kids, private schools, whatever. Yeah. And so that creates a competition that becomes so fierce that this backstabbing becomes fairly common. And that, unfortunately, though, comes from the showrunner, right? If the showrunner creates a, a writer's room that is full of competition, then that's how the writers are going to behave. For me, I have learned from my previous showrunner, Declan Debarra, which are Blood Origin, shout out, who's awesome. Shout out. He just assigned people their scripts right from the get-go. So there's no competition. We all know what we're going to be writing. And we are just supporting each other in the room to write the best script. So yeah. I don't have to be like, am I going to be writing the script? I want to write the script. And therefore, I'm going to write the best pitches. And I'm going to try and sabotage this other writer so that they have the worst pitches so that the showrunner gives me this script. And that kind of shit does happen. But again, it comes from the top. So just, again, if you just spread kindness and, <laughs> and collaboration, none of this is going to happen. Yeah. Maybe I'm super naive. No, I, well, I just want to clarify something about this whole, when I say like stabbing in the back type thing. I also, I'm a big proponent of collaboration and believe, like, I, I would never, if someone's rewriting me, if you're coming in with an idea or whatever, I'm all for it. Like, I'm 100%. Mm -hmm. when I'm, what I'm talking about is more so if you and I are in a room together and we go out and we have a drink, we're talking about the show, and I'm like, hey, you know, I think I'm going to pitch this idea where, you know, the Witcher goes uh, to this new town and, and steals back this wife or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. And then the next day you do that and pretend like it's your idea. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like I, that happens, yeah. It does happen. And I, and I feel like I guess all the power to the people who can do that and just be like, fuck you. I just stole your idea. Yeah. I don't care. There's something incredibly crazy about that. Yeah, there is. <laughs> So then my reaction to that would be, okay, I can no longer trust that person. My door to that person is closed, but all the other doors are still open. You know what? You know what my reactions, I think? my what I would actually pretend like it didn't happen and then like play the long game of sabotaging that person. I can see that about you. I wish I had that ability. It's just a lot of energy. I think I'm just too lazy for revenge. <laughs> It's so funny because right before this podcast started, I was talking about how I'm too lazy to like do just general things for my wife, <laughs> but, but I would completely put all of my effort into a, a revenge story. It's like, we need to examine that at some point. <laughs> like, I don't know, Nicole, we're doing something. I don't know. You just figure it out. Oh, revenge. Okay. Here's a 12 point plan that I've been thinking about for the last six years. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, check out this thread. It's really interesting. If you have questions about it, 
um, please let us know. You can email us at act2writers at gmail.com, all spelled out. And that is our This Week in Writing podcast for the day. That's it. That was an important one, though. The wilderness, man. Everyone gets lost in the wilderness. Quote of the day. <sighs> Can't wait. As the man once said, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Ted Lasso. Ooh, like it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Please remember, I, I changed it up. Yeah. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Bag, which you can find on Spotify. Mm-hmm.